It's going to be a good, good night. Um, Pastor Merle, first of all, thanks for coming here again. And um, everybody, y'all, give Merle a big welcome here. Come on. <laughs> I'm here all the time, but give him a big welcome anyway. What's it been, Merle, 30 years since we met? At least. At least. I think it was 37 years ago, him and I, I was a counselor, and him and Mary worked in the kitchen at Set Free Youth Camp. I think that was 1985. That's the first time I ever met this cat. It was uh, 37 years ago. I think it was this week, too. But uh, good deal. Um, you know, Merle... Jesus lived on the earth for 30 years, and there's not one recorded miracle of him in the first 30 years of his life. I mean, he wasn't like healing the sick when he was eight years old, okay? There's not one recorded miracle of Jesus. It says he had wisdom, and he grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man, but there's no recorded miracles in Jesus' life for the first 30 years, but then in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I'm going to go and I'm going to jump where he got baptized by John in Matthew chapter 3. It's actually verse 14. Jesus gets baptized by John, and when he gets baptized, he comes out of the water, and a voice from heaven says, this is my son. I always hear it like this. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the way I hear it. At least with this one. I know that's kind of melodramatic. But that's what I hear when I'm like, hear this booming voice from heaven. This is my son, and I'm really pleased with him. That's what a voice from heaven actually said that when Jesus got baptized. And then the Holy Spirit came down upon him like a dove. And then it says that he was filled with the Spirit, and he went out into the wilderness, and he was tempted. And then it says in verse what is it, Luke 4, 1? And being filled with the Spirit, he returned to the jo from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, and he went out and he preached, and he went to his hometown, and when he went to his hometown, they didn't, didn't accept him. So here he is, he's 30 years, he walked the earth. People knew him in Nazareth. He was probably the best cabinet maker in Nazareth, don't you think, Merle? I bet, I bet Jesus made some mean cabinets. He probably made furniture, and that's actually what he made. He made furniture. He didn't like build houses. He was a furniture cabinet maker. That's what he did. He was a carpenter, like a Finnish carpenter. He, I'm sure what he did was awesome. That's how everybody knew him. He was Mary and Joseph's son. He was the brother of James, and he had sisters and brothers. And he was just a really, really nice guy. That's how everybody knew him in Nazareth. So after he gets baptized and the Holy Spirit comes on him, he goes into the synagogue and read what he, what he did there when he went to the synagogue. What did he do, Merle? He, he, he says in Luke 4.18, you want to read that or you want me to? You. Okay, I will. He, he comes into the synagogue after, you know, everybody knows him. I want, to just, I want you just to imagine this. You go back to your hometown where you've lived your whole life, right? And then you go away for a little while and you come back. And this is Jesus. He goes to the synagogue and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. 
to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to sit at liberty those who are oppressed. It says, and then he sat down and said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He was quoting Isaiah 61, 1 through 8, and that was a prophecy regarding the Messiah. Hold it. This is Jesus, the cabinet maker, and now he's saying, I'm the Messiah in the synagogue. And it says, they took him to the brow of a hill. They tried to push him off, but he walked right through the crowd. So in other words, they didn't accept what he had to say. And then he went around and he started doing miracles almost immediately. And there's thousands, it says that if all the miracles that Jesus had done while he was on the earth, if they were all written down, there's not enough books in the world to contain all the miracles that Jesus performed while he was on the earth. Now, Merle, 30 years, no miracles, baptism, and for three years, thousands of miracles. What gives? The infilling of the Holy Spirit. When John baptized him, uh, he said, there's a guy coming after me. See, John baptized with water. Jesus baptized us with the Holy Spirit. And when John baptized him, God confirmed, like Bernie said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended on him, and he was filled with the Spirit. And the Bible tells us that he had all the gifts of the Spirit without measure. And then he demonstrated what the gifts of the Spirit would really do, and it was miracles. So would you, would you say it's fair to say that being baptized and being the Holy Spirit coming upon him or being baptized in the Holy Spirit, he was baptized in the water, but then it says the Holy Spirit came upon him, so is it fair to say that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit then too? Amen. So would you say that that was the difference between a normal life of a good guy, a really nice guy, good carpenter, and then the guy who suddenly started to do miracles. Yes. See, because it's, it's continuation. God had this plan all along, and this was the fulfillment of the prophecy that he was the Messiah. So he was going to be the example for us, and he was going to show us, and he was going to convince us, you know, Jesus did miracles. Why? to glorify God, to convince the people that he was who he says he was, and he did what he says he do to be an example for us later on. So Jesus was all man, all right? Man. But he was also all God. Yes. So let's just, what's your uh, mom's maiden name? Goldie. No, your, her maiden Old name. Verbeek. Verbeek. A Verbeek. So Merle's mom's name was Verbeek, but your dad's name was Bremer, right? Bremer or Bremer? I've known him for 37 years, still don't know how to pronounce his name. Either one, right? Either one. Okay. So would you say that you're both Verbeek and Bremer? Yes. Okay, because you have both the blood yeah. of your mother and the blood of your father. Okay, so let's talk about Jesus. Jesus had the blood of his mother named Mary, right? 
But he also had the blood of who? Joseph? No. God. So he had the seed or the blood of God. Just like Merle had Verbeek and Bramer, Jesus had the seed of the blood, the blood seed of God in his veins and the seed of his mother Mary or mankind. So he was, just like you're both Verbeek and Bremer, Jesus was both man and God. So when he was on the earth, did he function as God or as man? I would say he functioned as both because the Bible says pretty clear that he was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. It says that he can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. So he lived a godly life as an example, and he lived a godly life to eventually be our sacrifice, our Messiah. But he demonstrated both being a man and being God. You know, there's all kinds of things that, you know, he did things that were completely supernatural. Raised the dead. Yes. Caused the blind to see, lame to walk, deaf to hear, mute to speak. I mean, he did amazing things, but he did those things under the power of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. So as a human anointed by the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus did miracles. Mm -hmm. Now, I would ask you this. Is it fair to say that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the doorway to the supernatural? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when he got baptized, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, that was the beginning of the supernatural manifestations in his life. Yes. So has that been your experience in your own life? Amen. Me too. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit on February 5, 1985, about three months before I met him, (laughs) that was the first night that I heard the voice of God was when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I heard God's voice in my heart confirming his word to me. And after that, I saw and I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of miraculous manifestations in my life because of the Spirit of God. Because the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body, it says in Romans. Mm -hmm. See, so... If you look at what Jesus did, John 14, 12, it says the works that I do, you shall do, and greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. So I want to I just get us thinking if Jesus was able to function as a man baptized in the Holy Spirit, God worked miracles through him. Jesus said, the works that I do, you can do, because I go to the Father. So let's talk about because I go to the Father for a minute. See, he he said all along, he said, it would be better if I would go, because I'm going to go to my Father, which was very confusing to them. They thought, oh, no, you know, all of our hope, all of our belief is in Jesus. So, I mean, he says, but I'm telling you, it'd be better if I would go to my father, because then I could fulfill this plan of mine and I would send the Holy Spirit and you would be able to do 
what I did. That's amazing. But see, it's the being filled with the Spirit, like he was, like Bernie said, and this is what I want you to do. And he says, I'm telling you, this is what we're going to do. And by the way, I want you to go to Samaria and wait until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't want anything to, to bypass this because this is critical. And that's what happened. So Peter, he, Peter preaches, mm -hmm. and uh, he gives this incredible sermon, and they're convicted, and they said, okay, what do we got to do? Peter says, this is what you got to do. You got to repent, you got to believe, you got to be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened. They did. 3,000 were added to the church in one day. They were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. See, it says in John chapter 16 in the 6th verse, it's the 7th verse, it says, It's better for you if I go away. For if I don't go away, I cannot send the helper to you. But if I go away, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you. So it's better for you that Jesus is gone. The reason, one of the reasons it's better for us that Jesus ascended and sent the Holy Spirit is because when Jesus was on the earth, he was a man. He was man, he was God. We talked about that. So he was limited by the time and space continuum. But when the Holy Spirit came, it, he's not limited by time and space. He can be in 7 billion places at once, or 8 billion, how many ever people there are in the earth. It, he's not limited by time and space. He could be everywhere at the same time because he's not limited by this earth's time and space continuum like we are as humans. So that's why it's better for, it was better for them, it's better for us. It says, I will be with you and I shall be in you. That's what Jesus said. He said, I will be with you, but I shall be in you. He was, he was prophesying of when the Holy Spirit was going to take residence within us. That's why the verse I just quoted, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. That's that same spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, raised him up after he was dead. And that same spirit lives in us. And because he lives in us, whoo-wee, we can do things that otherwise we couldn't do. Okay, we can forgive when you can't think about forgiving. We can do all kinds of awesome things, but we can also do hard things that we sometimes don't even want to do, and that is like to forgive or to love the unlovely, to pray for our enemies. All the things, sometimes I look at the uh, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, and you read those things and you just go, man, how am I supposed to do that? Anybody ever read Matthew 5 and said, wow, how am I supposed to do that? Love my enemies, pray for those that despitefully abuse me. Blessed are those who are persecuted, blessed are those that mourn. None of that sounds good to me, okay? But you can do that because the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that. Then you read 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. And I'm like, I am none of those things. I'm not patient, I'm not kind, I'm not gentle in and of myself. I'm like, man, I am bad at all those things. But, you know, the Holy Spirit, it says in Romans chapter 5, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out 
like a, like a picture poured out into you by the love of God has been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit. So God pours his love into you by the Holy Spirit so that when you read 1 Corinthians 13 and you see love is patient, love is kind, love is not easily offended, love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm like, that doesn't sound like me at all. But then when you, God pours his love into us, then what it really should say, for, for my better understanding would be, God's love in me is patient. God's love in me is kind. God's love in me keeps no record of wrongs. God's love in me forgives others when they hurt us. God's love in me isn't easily offended. See, and then we can do it. How can we do it? By the power of God. We can actually allow God's love to flow through us and then we can actually live out 1 Corinthians 13, even though in our own strength, we'd never be able to do it. But through his love that's poured into us, we can do it. So we talked about, when we started here, that John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then... Acts chapter 2, 4, it says they were all filled with the Spirit and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about a public gift of tongues and interpretation. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, praying and understanding, singing and understanding. Paul said in verse 5 that he wished above all, the wish that uh, we all would speak in tongues. And then he says later in verse 18 that he thanks God that he speaks in tongues more than us all. So, I mean, this is a, a, a very unique um, topic in that it's all over the board, but when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, the public gift, and then you look at 1 Corinthians 14 and all those scriptures I just talked about in 1 Corinthians 14, bro, what is the deal, what's the difference between this gift and then when he says I'm going to pray with the spirit or pray in tongues and pray with understanding and sing and then sing with understanding what is that all about give us some insight into that well I would say you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an individual thing it's personal it's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost like we just celebrated this last week it says when they were filled, filled with the spirit they spoke in other tongues which is the evidence that you get to speak in tongues and it's personal. It's like Pastor Sid Sunday. It's a gift of tongues for you to pray, to sing, and it's between you and God. It is not something that needs to be interpreted, you know. So it is the evidence, or you could call it the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, maybe later I'll tell you a lot of uh, things that uh, happened because of that. See, it says when Jesus was led, or led captivity captive, he gave gifts to him. Now, he operated in those gifts. The gift of the Holy Spirit um, is manifested, you know, in the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation. 
See, when you have a gift of tongues, that is to be given in, the, in public and it needs to be interpreted, you know, and it is equal to prophecy. That is not to be confused with being filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues as, you know, a language between you and God. It's a miracle. So you know, the Bible says that when you get filled with the Spirit, it says out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You know, it's like priming the pump. Like Bernie said, it's the doorway to the supernatural. It's like the beginning of you moving in the Spirit. So is it, is it safe to say that anyone that wants to can pray in the Spirit, pray with understanding or pray with tongues if they ask Jesus to baptize them in the Holy Spirit? That's right. Many, many, many verses say that. You know, okay. if you ask your Father for a loaf of bread, he won't give you a stone. If you ask your Heavenly Father to be filled with the Spirit, that's what he'll do. He'll fill you with the Spirit. Why? Because he wants you to be filled with the Spirit and because of all the ramifications, which maybe we'll get into, that happen when you're filled with the Spirit. It's a completely awesome, you know, it says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, he says, I'll send you a helper. You'll be, you'll be given power. There's all kinds of promises connected to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the gift of tongues, that's as the Holy Spirit wills. You can't just turn that one on. No. Like, you can, once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, once you realize, you can, like, for instance, you can speak in English anytime you want. You can also speak in tongues anytime you want, correct? Right. Yes. You don't have to be, like, there doesn't have to be a certain song playing or, or something needs to be a certain way. You can do that anytime, correct? Right. right. And so, but with the gift of tongues. It says, according to the gift of the grace of God. That is something that God does through people, but you don't just do that any old time you feel like it. It is the gift of the grace of God, and God gives that gift to people for him to do supernatural things. This has been my experience, there, that there's times in my life where over the past 30 plus years that after the fact, you realize that you operated in yeah. some of the gifts of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you didn't even realize what was going on. Is exactly. that correct? Exactly. Okay. So it's not just me. I'm not weird. Okay. See, let, let's just say we're well, not weird. But you guys might all have experienced that. It is a supernatural gift, just say, of the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. All of a sudden, supernaturally, you know what you need to know or you know what you have to do. And it's not because you are so smart. God did it for you because he saw a need that you needed to know. So he gives you the gift or the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. Maybe it would be faith for something amazing that you need to pray for. All of a sudden, you have a measure of faith according to the gift of the grace of God that you can believe God for whatever needs to happen, and it happens. <clears throat> See, I've had people that, I've had different people over the years tell me to my face that they were dispensationalists. And if you don't know what a dispensationalist is, a dispensationalist is someone that believes that all the gifts of the Spirit discontinued somewhere around the third century AD, okay? 
somewhere between the first and third century AD. Depends on who you listen to. But that's what that's basically the dispensationalists. They believe that there is no there is no supernatural gifts of the spirit now. There's no operation of the gifts of the spirit now because they aren't necessary anymore. It was only there to start to jumpstart the church. Um, we do not believe that. We we are continual uh, continuists that we believe that the gifts of the spirit um, continue, and there's not been a secession or a ceasing of the gifts of the Spirit or the operating of the Holy Spirit. And there, we don't believe that there was an age of miracles. We believe there's only a God of miracles, and he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And so as such, I've had discussions with people that tell me they're dispensationalists, but they're born again. They're great people. Love them. Okay, they're my friends. But they're dispensationalists, and we disagree about what we're talking about tonight. Okay, no, we're, we're still friends, but we disagree about this thing. And then they'll tell me how, of a situation of where they operated in one of the gifts of the Spirit. And I'll look at them and go, your, your continuism is showing. <laughs> Because you just operated in the gifts of the Spirit, even though you tell me that you don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today, and you just operated in a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Right there, I just saw it. And, and, and that's a beautiful thing, because then they go, huh, well, that was just the Holy Spirit. I said, oops, careful. You might slip and become a Pentecostal if you aren't careful. And... and and it's a beautiful thing because you know what the Holy, a lot of times for me, it's not like you have to label these things. A lot of times I'll be talking to somebody and Merle, you do a lot of counseling and you're in the middle of counseling and suddenly you'll know what to do. And that's the gift of the Spirit. That's God leading you because it's supernatural. It's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing, it's, it's really an unfair advantage to have the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit is an unfair advantage. It's not even fair to the devil because we already know we win. Okay? So um, as you look at this, now I want to make something real clear. I'm going to pause and just make this really clear. Merle, are operating in the gifts of the Spirit a sign that you're mature? Not necessarily. No. No. They're, it's not. No. So just because you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean that you're mature. It just means that you know how to operate in what the gift that God gave you. And so, it says to desire them. It does say to desire them. You are correct. Um, so as you look at, as you look at your, like when you're ministering, um, what are, like for instance, Merle and I were talking today. He asked me this question. Do you pray in tongues every day? I said, yeah, about 50 times a day. Right. Uh, I, probably an hour doesn't go by that I'm not under my breath just Praying, asking God, like continuously, um, talking to God, praying in the Spirit. You don't even realize kind of what you're doing because it's all just, we're, we're just, it's just always a communion with God. Now, is that the same with you? I mean, that's yeah. where, that's the way you live? Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think I go half an hour without praying in the Spirit. It might be just walking, driving. It's just normal. It's just natural. And it's like breathing. Yeah, it might be. See, because the more you pray in the Spirit, um, I'd say the more the Spirit is likely to flow. Because, like, 
this, praying in the Spirit bypasses this thing. I mean, only God in his wisdom could choose that the gift of the Spirit comes from here, bypasses this, and uses the most unruly member that you have. You know, it's like, that is God. You know, I'm going to take your tongue, which you can't control by yourself, but I'm going to use your tongue uh, to speak in tongues, and it's going to bypass your brain. That's God. Um, you know, and I, I the, might, scripture that, the scripture that you're referring to is James, the first chapter, where it says the tongue is the most it's unruly, unruly member. member. It's actually set on fire by hell, it says. Right. So <laughs> go ahead. So I might just uh, make sure I get a chance to just say this. See, I just jotted down a few things that the Holy Spirit says he is and he does. It says that he's the teacher, and he will lead you to all, all truth, or he'll teach you all things. See, the Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit points and leads you to Jesus. You know, the Spirit brings revelation or understanding. You know, it's almost like the Holy Spirit helps you to tune the station of your life to the right channel. You know, God wants to speak and God does speak. But when you pray in the Spirit, it tunes you in that you are more likely to hear because you've been speaking in tongues. You know, the Bible says it gives you power. Another place in Ephesians it says, it's the guarantee of your inheritance. It's like the down payment. When you receive the Holy Spirit, it's a witness from God himself that you are going to receive the inheritance that he promised you. I mean, if I'm going to go buy Bernie's car and he's got the car for sale and I say I'm going to buy it, and I leave 100 bucks, that's the guarantee. I'll be back and pay tomorrow. See, and that's what the Holy Spirit is. When you receive the Holy Spirit, it's like God's guarantee. I'm on your side. I'm going to give you the inheritance, and this is the proof. You know, it says he's the comforter. He brings freedom. And, um, you know, he's your helper. He helps you all the time when you don't even realize it. Luke 11. There you go. <laughs> Amen. I agree. Good job. Um, Luke 11, it says that he who asks receives. Everyone that asks receives. Talk about that for a minute. He's see, not a respecter of persons. No. See, because Jesus demonstrates everything. Jesus is our example, right? Okay, so what he did is the thing we should follow. So he received the Spirit. Like Bernie said, he did miracles. It enabled him. And what did we say? He said, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit also. And he did. He poured out his spirit. So he wants us, like Bernie quoted. He says, I would that you all speak in tongues. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all, Paul said. He says, I sing in the spirit. I pray in the spirit. So it's a gift that God wants us to have so if we ask him for something that he already promised and wants us to have, you can be certain that he's going to give it to you. You know, the Bible says if you ask anything according to God's will, he hears you. And if he hears you, you have what you ask for. So the confidence that we have, Luke 11, starting with verse 9, it says, so I, this is Jesus talking, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. If a son asks for bread, will the father among you give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? Then this is, the, this is to tie it up. If you then, being natural or evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So what do you got to do to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Merle, what do you got to do? Well, I think it's what Bernie read. All you got to do is realize this is a good gift. And I want all of God that there is for me. So you ask and you receive. It's that simple. I don't know, how many were you in church Sunday heard Dwayne's explanation? I mean, he gave an awesome explanation, you know. It's like he said he thought the Holy Spirit was going to take control of his tongue, and he just got his tongue dry. See, it, it's kind of like a baby. When you ask, I mean, the, like you're little as grandkids, probably they can only say a few things. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I mean, this was way past my understanding. I mean, I didn't, didn't understand this, but I saw it. I believed it. It changed friends of mine's life. So I wanted it. It's like, God, if you got it for me, I want it. And you got to begin to speak. Because it's like Pastor Duane Sunday. When you ask, like Bernie Red, you, you got it. You might not realize it. It might not be some earth shattering, but you're able because he fills you with the spirit. So you got to begin to speak. Maybe the little kid only can say, da, 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 da. Or he might only say a few words. But as he speaks, what happens? More words come. And pretty soon, it's a language. And like for me, it's not always the same. It's, there's many different tones. I don't understand it, but sometimes it's very beautiful, like maybe like French. There's other times it sounds like Russian. You know, it's kind of gruff. And sometimes I even have an inkling of what I'm praying about, even though I'm not sure. But after I'm praying in the Spirit, all of a sudden, my English starts to pray in, and I believe that it's inspired what I've been praying in the Spirit to pray way beyond what I would have been able to pray before. So if you're up against situations, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 talks about this. When you don't know how to pray, Romans chapter 8, 26. Exactly. It says, when you don't know how to pray, you can pray the Spirit helps us in our weakness or in our humanity, and it helps us pray things that we don't even understand. Right. The Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray. Sometimes you've prayed everything you know to pray. You've bound every devil. You've loosed every angel. You've, you've asked God to move. You've commanded everything to move, you've commanded seeds to die, and you've commanded other things to live, and you've done everything you know to do. And then you just need to rest and pray in the Spirit and let God handle it. When it says you speak mysteries to God, and we got to remind ourselves, who is this? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You think they might just be working together? So if the Spirit prays through you, he probably knows what to pray, and God probably knows what he's praying. So, I mean, you got a supernatural divine connection when you pray in the Spirit that is way beyond your understanding. Paul even says, he says, my understanding is unfruitful. Mm -hmm. So, what do you do? It takes faith to pray in the Spirit. It does, because you got to believe that the Word of God is true. So, it took just, now hopefully it won't take you this long. It took me from February 5 at 11 p.m. on my sister's couch where she prayed for me and I asked Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit 
It took me until May 15 of that same year before I was sitting on the front right pew of this church and I finally started to use my prayer language. It took me almost three months. Why? Because I grew up with people telling me it was of the devil. So I had to unlearn all that stuff first and I had to put in God's word. So the whole time, those three months, I was reading books, I was studying scriptures, I was learning what God said. I knew what man said, because that was what I was taught. But then I had to learn what God said about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when I, and it says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how do you get faith to receive? You go to the word of God and you read it. You say it out loud to yourself. You repeat it out loud to yourself. You write it on the wall. You put it on your mirror. You stick it in your car. You become a fanatic about speaking the word of God. And what happens? The next thing you know, you go, wow, I really believe that. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this is not some hocus-pocus magic thing. It's nothing that, oh, if we lay hands on you, suddenly everything's going to be different. That's not actually how it works. How it works is you get the word of God in your heart, and you believe what God's word says, and it's the most natural thing in the world once you see God's word and how it works. It's just natural. I don't even realize it a lot of times. I'll be, I'll flow in something, and then afterwards, somebody will say, wow, that was a really cool word. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even realize what's going on because it's just natural. It's my turn to ask you one question. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> He's been asking me I'm all been, the questions. See, so the, I'm going to ask The, the word one, is this. Whoever asks the questions is in charge. I like being in charge. What would all of your friends that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit say about it? All of my friends. Anybody that you know that's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what would they say? And that's thousands, yes. by the way. Yep. Thousands of people. Um, there's Not a one of them would say it was a bad idea. Exactly. All Same of them would say it me. changed their life for the better. Best thing ever happened. I can't believe I didn't do this before. I mean, every one of them. Yeah, no question. Um, after making Jesus Lord of my life, it's the most important thing I ever did in my life. Right. After making Jesus Lord of my life. And getting baptized. Yeah. Yeah. Those three are right there. Yep. And so I just want to encourage you. We, we really need to wrap this up, but I want to encourage all of us and those that are watching online. I challenge you. Go ahead. Pick up that Holy Spirit book that's, that we gave away free. We got some more of them in the back. Get it. Read it. I read it three times this weekend just getting ready for Pentecost, and I've read it a hundred times. I read it out loud to my wife Saturday night. I said, come over here. I'm going to read this book to you, and I read the entire thing to my wife on Saturday night. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Isn't that a bit much? Absolutely, and that's why we do it, because it is a bit much. I like it. We like too much Jesus, okay? There is no such thing as too much Jesus. But what are you going to do today? I would, I would encourage you, just grab a hold of God's word, get it in your heart, and decide that you're going and ask Jesus, get somebody to pray with you, or you can just ask Jesus to, fill, to baptize you in the Holy Spirit all by yourself. It's not some mystical thing. 
It's very simple, and it's awesome. And I would just encourage you to go, go for it and seek it and, and uh, take, it, take it forward. So let's just pray. Do you have anything else to add, Merle? Nope. I, the only thing is, is if you are filled with the Spirit and you pray in the Spirit already, take it up a notch. There you go. <laughs> Do it some I, more. Do it some more. All right. Let's just end with a word of prayer. And uh, Father, we love you. Thank you for revelation knowledge today. Thank you for revelation knowledge in every person that's listening, those online, those that are here, and those that will listen to this at a later date. We thank you for revelation knowledge that the Spirit, it, it says the flesh profits nothing. It's the Spirit that gives life. So, Father, we thank you for revelation knowledge of who you are, Jesus, of the importance of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives. And, Father, for those that are seeking, I thank you, Lord, that those that seek will find. Those that knock, the door will be opened. Those that ask, they'll receive. And, Father, we thank you that today we have hope, we have faith, and we have confidence that you always hear us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.